So, welcome to the 2030 podcast, guys. Uh, my name is Timothy Otieno. Uh, and this week we are continuing with our series on financial management and I'm so excited. <laughs> I've been chasing this interview for quite a while. Uh, this week we're going to be uh, joined by economist, right? Correct. Kenneth Gishinga, a very good friend uh, of ours at the Startup Media Group, but also a very sound mind when it comes to matters money. Thank you so much for choosing to speak to us and uh, there's a lot we need to talk about in terms of financial management and especially for young people. Uh, during the previous episode, uh, my colleagues and I were just giving personal lessons we've learned, uh, moving out of our parents' home and right. now from being depending on your parents to depending on your own self, others, the parents now depending on them because there's that uh, shift when you grow because when you're younger, you depend on your parent, but then right. there's a time now when you also have to chip in and help your parent perhaps pay the bills and all that. But I want us to begin on the issue of budgeting Correct. and managing bills for very many young people who either have left college, just gotten their first job, and they want to now move from staying with their parents to staying alone. Perhaps talk to us on the, f the most important aspects, what should one look forward to when it comes to issues of budgeting and managing bills as they start living on their own? No, thank you. That's a very good point. I think if I could summarize the entire show in three words, I would say keep it simple. People tend to complicate things very quickly. So if you're a young person, you should ask yourself, what is the most important expense I need to incur today? Sometimes people take on sometimes because of social pressure, keeping up with their friends, and sometimes they don't realize sometimes their friends are coming from a different angle. So I always say, keep it simple. So if it's rent, say, I want to focus on paying rent and obviously to furnish my house. So I need to find a neighborhood that obviously I can be able to sustain. And it's two things. Uh, the key thing is, are you employed or are you in business? Mm -hmm. If you're employed, it's a bit more predictable because at the end of the month, you always have a salary. But I always tell people who are, employed, who are in business mm. to try and have a bigger buffer. Sometimes have, even if it's be a bit, maybe even two months ahead of your rent, for example, because businesses go up and down. Sometimes you're expecting a deal to come through, it doesn't go through. So I always say, first look for, make sure all the expenses on your budget are important. It's not about keeping up with the Joneses, but it's really about something you want to do. So if it's like say rent, for example, or food for your apartment, things like that. So for me, that has worked very well because I see a lot of young people coming out and because of social media, um, people want to go to trips to Dubai or they want to have the latest outfits. And you have to understand what is a must have and what is a nice to have. And you have to separate them brutally. So things like rent, that's a must have. But things like, you know, we're going to do a road trip to Nakuru. You don't have to. <laughs> or you want to spend this much money on the clubs. You don't have to. You can actually do something interesting. So I think it's just really coming down with a pen and a piece of paper and really classifying and say, this is a must have and this is a nice to have. Let me focus now on the must haves. Then as my incomes grow, I can have the nice to haves. The, the biggest budget everybody has to deal with, especially those living in urban areas, is the issue of rent. Correct. 
what is the recommended percentage <coughs> of funds vis-a-vis mm -hmm. -vis the salary one earns or the wages they get from their business? I try to avoid giving a particular percentage well, because circumstances can be different. You can have some people who pay maybe a 25% of their rent. You can have people who are paying 30%. But you can have somebody who's paying 30%, but maybe he lives closer to his workplace. So he ends up saving on transport, on other things. And you can have somebody who's spending less, but there are so many other costs, cost of transport, because I, I try to avoid, but some people say it should be not be more than a third of your things. But for me, I, I, I leave that to the person to determine. There are people who are very introverted. They prefer to stay at home. So for them, they're going to spend a bit more because that is where. There are people who, they only come home to sleep so for them, even if they were to pay 5%, that'd be very okay. <laughs> so lifestyles are different, and I don't think we should uh, try to have one cup for everybody. I think the key thing is it should not be something that strains you so much that from day one of the month to day 30, you're not thinking of anything else. Except rent. <laughs> Except rent. <laughs> it should not be something straining. Uh, but also I would say it should also not be something miserly, in a sense, where sometimes, because you... The home is a place you rest. It's a place where you get ideas about life, about work. So if it's not also in a place where you, your mind can rest, also you might have to. So it's a balance. It's, 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 it's an art and a science. So you really can't put numbers to it. But obviously you also don't want to go to a place where it's training you and you really can't say every day you're thinking about trying. You don't want to reach there. So it's really somebody to look at their budget. If I'm being paid 50K and to say, okay, out of this 50K, how much do I need for a place? And also have to include things around security and some things because you can discount those things, but then they come back to in the long run. Yeah, uh, buy you in a different way. So they say, I would say be generous with yourself because there's only one team, <laughs> there's only one can. Mm. So try and preserve yourself. So sometimes even if it means maybe paying a bit more and cutting on other things, that's not such a bad advice. Mm -hmm. For, for if if and I'm asking this question on behalf of perhaps people who are in college or just after college and have gotten their first job, how soon is one supposed to say now I'm ready to move out? How do you make that decision? To know is it because I have a job then I move out or how do you determine that? Well, most of corporate Kenya, uh, the probation period is normally about six months. Um, so you get a job. Uh, like right here at Standard Media Group, it's an entry-level job. Normally, they'd want to see six months of your performance before they confirm. Some companies it's even longer, others it's shorter, but I think the average is about six months. So I always say maybe until you get a confirmation, that's maybe six months. Six months is a good time to know I like my employer and my employer likes me. And I think I can see a longer-term relationship. I think six months can be a good time. And sometimes it also uh, varies also sometimes even between the genders. You find sometimes the males want to move out faster. Sometimes the ladies are quite comfortable staying because uh, sometimes in traditional African societies you find the ladies want, they're okay. Mm, until they're married. Until they're married, yeah, but you find uh, and the men want to go up and about. They want to go and uh, live life and look for a partner to, to marry some, at some point in their future. So sometimes those uh, tastes and preferences um, come into place, but I think six months is a good ballpark. What What if you are somebody who's self-employed, running a business? If you're running a business, I'd say one year. I'd say one year because um, typically, and it depends when you started your business. If you're just starting your business after college, 
Typically, the first one year in the life of a business is normally tough because nobody knows you, nobody knows your product. In fact, they keep saying in business, the first year, people get to know you. The second year, people get to like you. And in the third year, people get to trust you. And until people trust you, people want to do business with you. So for me, somebody in business might have to be a bit long. At least you're seeing sales coming in and the sales are enough to meet. So I'd say for such a person, probably one year, because they also need to build a buffer for their rent. You, want to, you, you really can't do like the typical one month. I always say if you're in business, try and do two months. Be at least two months ahead so that if things uh, don't pan out as you have planned, you still have some breathing room as opposed to your landlord is chasing you and stuff. So I think people in business, people in an, not, let me not say in business because you can be employed, but sometimes even your salaries are not very consistent. I know people who are employed, but they, sometimes you can even go three months without getting True. their That's salaries. So if you find your situation is unpredictable, build a bigger buffer. The companies that can delay and pay you after three months, your landlord won't understand that. Yeah. So try and build. If you see my employer, I like my employer, but they're very erratic. Let me build a three-month buffer. At least that can always absorb that. So I think it's all always about building buffers. And we'll talk about savings later, but it's all about building buffers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Talk to us a bit about managing bills. Mm-hmm. I've factored in on the aspect of rent, right. but you know there are other stuff like food, Correct. clothes, occasionally. Correct. Then there are sometimes those relatives who need help here and there. There are funerals, weddings, you have to chip in too. These days, WhatsApp groups are opening left, right and center <laughs> where you have to contribute some form of money. Right. What work plan right. is, would you consider a sound financial work plan right. to help in budgeting for these right. meeting, gritty needs? Right. And I keep saying um, sometimes managing a budget is both an art and a science. Sometimes it can be too scientific but it's sometimes about also managing things. Uh, there are people who have the 80-10-10 rule, where they say 80% of your budget should go uh, to your <coughs> expenses, 10% to savings, 10% to tithe. I know there are people who do that. Uh, there are people, everybody has a different model, but uh, for me, putting away 10% for your savings is not a bad idea. So you have, say, let's say I earn 100K or 50K, when that money comes in, can I put 10% maybe in a different account just for future use and stuff? So my budget should work with 80% of 50K, it's about 40K. So let me build a budget around 40K. Then uh, you balance things. Sometimes you can't be overly scientific because obviously, as you say, the relatives will come. You can't say, oh, we didn't invite you. There's no cup of tea. I didn't budget for a cup of tea. You, <laughs> you can't, you're, you're a human being. It's about saying, oh, this time I'll take it from here. But in the long run, things should balance out. I think sometimes people try to balance things in one month. It should not be. It should be like at least in in a three month cycle. Maybe I missed here. I'll compensate next month twice. Maybe I didn't do ten percent last month. Next month I can do twenty. So it's be give yourself that flexibility to be able to smoothen things out. I think sometimes people say I must live by these commandments, and life doesn't work like that. <laughs> Accidents happen. Emergencies yeah. happen things coming that you have to spend where you didn't plan. So I think you should say over three months, maybe I didn't expect here, so I'll take from here. Try to keep a balance in the long run. Don't always try to be over micro. But unless some, I think that 10%, I think for me, it works well. The people who are the 10, 10, 80, 10, 10, uh, Christians I know who sometimes tie to their churches, and they say it's been very rewarding. 
for that in terms of um, also being part of something greater than themselves. So I think that is interesting, but I think this is, these are the things you have to discover for yourself. Because for example, think of a young photographer. He wants to buy a very expensive camera because it's important for his job. So somebody else might say, ah, that's such a waste of money. But this guy knows I can't get top jobs unless I have a big... So that's why I don't like having like blankets, blanket. I say, look at your lifestyle. What is the most important thing that is earning you revenue? If it's your photography, then invest in that camera. Have a good end. If you're a DJ, invest in quality systems. You might have to cut back on other things. So I keep saying it's all about balance. At the end of the day, balance. Because you'll never look for... Uh, one budget that fits everybody. Everybody is in a different career. Everybody is in a different uh, stage of life. You're what right. roles should parents play in terms of even helping young ones learn the basic art of maybe even saving? Right. Because I, I know of a, a, a friend of ours who the parents have like a savings kitty for them, but they have to earn whatever allowance that is supposed to be put in that kit. Perhaps get these kinds of grade, then you'll get this allowance, which which they are not given directly. Right. It goes into their bank accounts. So when they're 18, they're given that. But what role do parents play in helping their kids? Parents play a very big role. Obviously, the styles of parenting are as many as their parents out there. Some people are more militant, others are less so. Uh, what I've seen work well Sometimes I see, especially mothers, I sometimes I see mothers with the young kids, eight years, nine years, sometimes they even have separate M-Pesa accounts for them. And they put in a bit of money every time they have an excess and they encourage the kid to, to spend wisely. So the kid can spend, but the, the parent needs to see. And I think sometimes when kids spend under the oversight of the parent, they're able to now grant able to see how yeah, this is a good way I compared prices I really like this thing I like having my maybe my, 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 my favorite thing from this shop I think it's all about helping the kid grow under the oversight so even when it comes to e-commerce it's a key thing so for me I, I keep saying the presence of the parent is sufficient and I think the parent different parents approach it differently the parents who give their kids pocket money the parents when business maybe when they make a good amount of business keep their kids but I think the key thing is have that relationship where the kid watches how you spend your money mm-hmm. because they say you can say all the things but it's how you, actions speak louder, louder than words. words you can tell your kids yeah save this thing for your future career save this thing for your future university but you every weekend you are coming home drunk and you've really spent all your money on alcohol so that for them that picture is a contrast so let's say actions speak louder than words if you can manage your funds well you don't even have to give them a lesson. They'll be able to see mom, dad gets a salary and they do these things for us. It's very clear. So sometimes they always say sometimes the best lessons are in the actions we do as opposed to the words. Words are important, but the actions speak much louder than words. Mm-hmm. How different is it budgeting and managing bills if you are in a marriage as opposed to when you are alone? Right. That's a very, very important question nowadays. Um, I always say it's important that somebody to learn to be financially independent. Uh, it's, it's important to have your house in order before you go and uh, put somebody else's house in order. <laughs> I know married couples who, for example, have joint accounts. That works well. I know married couples who do not like to have joint accounts. 
again, like in every, there are no two relationships that are similar. Yeah. Every relationship has its own dynamic. But at the end of the day, it has to be, are we going the same direction? Because what happens sometimes is you find there's a lot of lack of transparency. The woman has bought an apartment, the man has no clue. The man has bought a car or something else. The woman. So I think the key thing is for people to be united and say these are our goals. We want to do these things. Let's pull in our resources together. Obviously there are things that you can't anticipate. You might bump into your friend and you want to have a nice coffee. I mean you can't really micromanage things to that level. But I think the bigger thing is, are we going in the same direction? We have a goal, first of all. Our goal maybe is to be self-sufficient, to start our business, raise our kids. As long as you're going in that direction, let's not be too nitpicky on, oh, you did this last week, and you know, let's look at the bigger picture. I think sometimes when people get caught up in the weeds, sometimes that's where the tension begins. But as long as you're moving in the same direction towards a unified family, you're growing your business, growing your family. So again, I think for, for, for young couples, I think all they say, um, I know people do say you become wealthier after you get married because you have more responsibilities and you have a spouse who checks you. So the weekends used to go and waste your money. Now you have somebody who can keep control. But I always say, you know, as you prepare for your future life in campus as a young adult, try and maintain your house in order because you don't want to have personal debts. Now you bring those debts into, into the, marriage. the marriage. Yeah. So the lady feels she's earning, or one spouse feels they're earning so much, but they're offsetting debts which they were never. They were never part of. <laughs> but exactly. but you know, sometimes uh, women, and there's always this running joke that right. the women say, "My salary is mine, his right. salary is ours." <laughs> so the burden is uh, <laughs> the burden is slumped more towards uh, the male side. I don't know right. how true or false that is. Would you recommend? For example, before marriage or just immediately when people are getting close to marriage, that they need to sit down and like define roles. So that let's say, for example, I will be doing the house rent, you as my wife will be perhaps handling the food. Would that be a good model or it also depends? Well, I think um, obviously it's a courtship phase before you get married. And I think as part of courtship, it should be a part of friendship. And I think any two friends, not even married, even business partners, People who are genuinely friends would want to have a clear understanding of what the expectations are. So I think if it's a true friendship, it comes out naturally. I don't think you have to put a calendar on Outlook and block it and say today, you know. <laughs> I think if you're genuinely friendship and you care about each other, you'd be like, okay, I'm going to do this and this and this. And someone say, okay, I'll supplement. So I think relationships are very organic. It's how two people approach it. And the key question is, does it strike a balance? And if it works for the couple, there's nobody outside who should say that should not work. If it works for them, it works for them. Because sometimes I think we can try to legislate how marriages should work and say, oh, this should work. But sometimes you find the circumstances are so different. Sometimes you can find, um, uh, I remember a story when a young man was uh, laid off from his job and for a long time. He didn't have a job for almost two, three years. So the wife used to take care of the costs. So I think after three years he got a new job. And um, the wife, actually, when he got a new job, actually the wife told him to write her a check for what she had spent. Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> for the three years. <laughs> because in his mind, all the things she was just doing on his behalf. So I mean, and this is not to say people are right or wrong, but dynamics are so different. 
that for me coming up with the legislation doesn't work and they always say uh, if your friendship is viable and their communication is good at the end of the day it's a communication that is what and for me I'll say if the couple is unified nobody from outside you come and say that model is wrong because well, who's, who's to say because they're unified they're together and they're happy so clearly whatever they have discovered it may be very untraditional but it's working for them. So I keep saying, let's not look for legislations. Let's not try and legislate. Let's just try and say, does it work for both of them? And that's their private business, how they go about it. Yeah. Financial do's and financial don'ts when it comes to budgeting and managing bills. I think financial do's is communicate well. Communicate, I think communication is what breaks down. Communi lack of communication breeds mistrust. When you have mistrust, even if you have good intentions, where there's no trust, things collapse. So I think, and it happens a lot, you see it a lot when somebody dies and it emerges that for, to the spouse that this, this, the deceased had a lot of wealth which the spouse never knew about. Yeah, it's, I've seen it happen many, many times. So just communicate what, your, what you want to achieve. Some people, it's the education for their children. I want my child one day to go to an Ivy League university. So I want to put any extra coin towards that. that. Communicate, let it be known and stuff. Because far too many people don't communicate what's in their heart. They say A, but they really mean B. And you end up realizing you start living two lives. And the moment you have two lives, then obviously you have lack of unity and that brings tension. And so me always say, whatever, even if you find your goal is not noble, communicate it and let other people say that's not normal, but let people know because it's part of your identity. I think that's the one. Uh, another thing of do's and don'ts, um, don't also be, what's the word, overzealous in how people, looking at how another person has spent their money. Because sometimes it might be like, oh, she went to the salon and spent 3K, who spends 3K? You know, so such of things. Don't be, I know some husbands, not even give their wives money for the salon they want to pay Mpesa street to the salon so don't also be <laughs> overzealous you know just love i think when love is there <laughs> and true friendship you, you start because you can't be always looking over the shoulder of your spouse the reason that person is your spouse is you trust them so and you believe they're always acting in your good conscience so always believe that because sometimes we can be overzealous in saying team you spent this to watch a new game you couldn't have one and buy a boat milk you know try and avoid those kind of things by and that me i believe those always come up by investing in the relationship investing in communication knowing what other what that person likes what they don't like then not coming up with a harmonious plan that obviously works for both of you i think the people who strike that balance tend to have very happy fulfilling lives yeah is it is it okay to set money aside like miscellaneous for having fun. Absolutely. Save, save 5,000 for going out in a month or for buying this, attending this game. Absolutely. The human being is a social creature. We are meant to be with other people. So the moment you deny that yourself, you're robbing yourself of your happiness. Part of, we are designed to be with people. That's why for some people it may be in a charmer. Other people it might be watching a new game other people because when you remove that now you remove the happiness from somebody now that person doesn't have you know their the life in them to do other things because they can't relax so for me i don't even think you should even call it miscellaneous even government when they are paying you there's always an entertainment allowance because they know it's part of you're working very hard 
and work and leisure, they feed off each other. So they had you should work hard and create time for leisure because leisure is when your mind relaxes, is when you get new ideas on creativity, new ideas on how you think. So we should not discount leisure. Leisure is actually inbuilt in us. So I keep saying have an amount for entertainment, have an amount that you can absolutely work on that because that is your happiness. Yeah. Ken, thank you so much for speaking to us on budgeting and managing bills. Thank you very much for having me on this very interesting show.